0: about a man or two men who carry the presence of God. They carry the presence of God because they understood the presence of God. And they recognize that when you carry the presence of God, when you're anointed, if you like, when you're saved, when you're born again of the Spirit of God, that you live a life of journeying and crossing over and going from one place to another place. And continually stepping in the more of what God has for you. How many believe that God has got more for you today than he had for you yesterday? If you See what I mean? He wants you to go further. He wants you to press in deeper and stronger. So I was going to ask you to stand on your feet. But you've been on your feet for a little while now. So you can stay on your seats if you want to. But you can stand if you want to. I want to read just for a moment and just look at the life or the transfer of the presence of God that Elisha was chasing and believed for, wanted to receive when he took over, if you like, from Elijah. Elijah, the prophet of God, whose prayers were answered, Who saw miraculous provision, He saw the dead raised, saw fire come from heaven, who encouraged, discouraged prophets, and then was incredibly carried away to heaven. Elisha recognized that there was something in him that he wanted. And Elijah was told by God that he was to go and anoint... Elisha, when he was listening to that still, small voice. And in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 19 through 21, those three verses, so he says, he departed from there, to Elijah, and he found Elisha, the son of Saphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th. That's a lot of oxen and a lot of plows and a lot of soil being turned over a lot of activity going on. Then it says, Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. He threw on to Elisha that which he like signified him as being a prophet and the anointing which he carried. He throws it on to Elisha And Elisha then, when that mantle fell on him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he, Elijah, said to him, go back back again for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Father, we pray your word is just as it's open to us this morning as we look into your word in the lives of some men of old. That Father, you reveal something maybe fresh to us today. In Jesus' name. In your your Bible, you'll see this passage probably is entitled, "The, the, The Call of Elisha. And it's like it's about the crossing over or the moving forward, because at the end of this time, we see how Elisha and Elijah cross over the Jordan, and then Elisha comes back. So part of his calling is getting from one place to another. It's moving forward. You're part of your calling. How many of you know you're, you're called to move forward? You know, you're not, to, you're not to walk backwards. When you get saved, you don't start walking backwards through life. Revisiting all the old parts and the old things in your life, you walk forward and step into the new things that God has for you. How many of you know God's thanks has something for you new every day? He has fresh bread for you every day. Fresh bread which will bring you sustenance, will bring you strength, will bring you power, will bring what He has for you. So you may say that you've got a call on your life. How many of you say, I've got a call on my life? You know, it may, it may not be a specific calling uh, for ministry in a sense, but it is a calling. You know, I hope you say you've got a call on your life. Your, your life, see, because your life in Christ is greater than you. Your life in Christ as a as a believer is greater than you. You are You are not, in Christ, you are not who you used to be. There's something greater for you. So you may not say that that it's a particular ministry call, but the day you got saved, the day I got saved, we are called to live a life that goes further, that goes higher, and is set apart to sacrificially live by faith for the cause of Christ. Let me say that again, even though you may not say I've got a a ministry call on my life particularly, but we have, the day we got saved, we're called to live a life that goes further, that goes higher. And they set apart to sacrificially live by faith for the cause of Christ. The Apostle Paul said it was the love of Christ that compelled him. It wasn't his personal ambition or his personal desire that that, that compelled him to do what what he did. That if you like drove him. But it was the love of Christ. It's a love that Christ demonstrated. It was a love of Christ that compelled him. You know, you can be facing all sorts of challenges in your life. Haven't you ever faced challenges? Maybe you're facing some challenges right now. You've got some things going on in your life. You think, yeah, there's a challenge going on. I I, I feel like I'm stuck or I feel like I've got to, you know, take, take some ground or I feel like I'm, you know, bogged down in something or whatever. You can be facing all sorts of things. Church, you know, it's it's the love of Christ that gets you through. Sometimes we look for look through all sorts of other things, all sorts of things to get us through a challenge, get us through a difficult situation. You know, we all face these things. We live life on this earth. It's all sorts of challenges, but it's the love of Christ that will get you through. See, sometimes we feel like nothing's happening. You ever feel like that in your life? There's not much, not much happening? I feel like I'm sort of stuck. The older you get, the more times you look back and think, well, I felt like I was stuck in that place. And, and, and then, then you realize that there's something that gets you through. See, but when you view your life through the lens of the love of Christ, it will change your perspective. And sometimes that comes with age and sometimes it comes with mistakes. <laughs> Sometimes it comes with just experience. You feel like nothing's happening, but when you view your life through the lens of the love of Christ, it changes your perspective. Sometimes we don't always know how to appropriate that to our life, but we have to trust the Holy Spirit. And recognize that we are spiritual and trust the Holy Spirit and so Elisha was here he used to step into the shoes of Elijah you know Elijah wasn't going to live forever was he and he, he, he knew he was going to get called uh, you know, called to heaven in some miraculous and some you know to us seems such a maybe a bizarre way and I believe Elisha was a, was, a, was, a, was a spiritual man And he had an expectancy of something to change in his life. How many of you live with an expectancy of something to change in your life? See, when you're born again of the Spirit of God and you're viewing, you're living your life through the lens of the love of Christ and what he has done for you. you We're living a life of expectancy. What has God got for me next? you only got to read the Word of God and you realize that God has got a lot of words over your life. Elijah wasn't going to live forever. He had served the purposes of God in his generation. Phenomenally. It doesn't say that of Elijah, but we know that's the case. It says that of David. Having served the purposes of God in his generation, he he died and was left with his father's. Elijah served the purposes of God in his generation. Now it was a time for the next generation. Now God is doing something new. It makes sometimes it looks like and it revi- something gets, things get revived and God does things which look like something which happened before, but God is doing something new every day. In our generation. We face different challenges now that maybe the generations before us were challenged by. I believe the church of God, the body of Christ, has got to step up to the plate and live with an expectancy, just like Elisha was living with an expectancy, I believe, of of someday it was going to be his day. day. Someday he he was going to see the presence of God manifest. See, we are living in the time of this is our day. Look at the person next to you this morning and say, this is my day. It's a new day. It's our day. It's my day. I believe God is looking for men and women who, like Elisha, will get over themselves and and live for the cause of Christ. As long as we can get so consumed. And we see here how Elisha, it's like he wasn't consumed with the things that could have contained him. I believe that Elisha is someone who we can learn from. He had the call of God in his life and he had to move forward. See, he had to cross over. He had to get from one place to another place. The children of Israel had to cross over to get to what God had for them. they lived in a wilderness for 40 years. They had to cross from a place of living, of wilderness living, if you like, to promised land living. I don't believe wilderness living Changes you, it contains you. You can learn some things from wilderness living, but many times, you know, the seasons in our lives when we've when we've when we've had a time of wilderness living, it hadn't done much in us. It's, it's done more, it's we've done more in ourselves than the things of the kingdom of God have done for us. Remember the children of Israel, they lived. For 40 years going round and round in the same, almost like they've gone round in circles never achieving and never getting anywhere. Because of some things that have gone on in their minds and their thinking. They just remain contained. And it was that next generation, the new generation were able to cross over miraculously in the land that God had for them. Today's a new day. And God had told Elisha that he was sorry, Elijah that he was to anoint Elisha. And so he goes to find him. You know, I I love it when there's people in my life and people in your life come and find us. You ever, been, you ever had that sort of experience? Come and find, come and find you. Know, we've, have you, ever, have you ever received a prophetic word? Anybody ever received a prophetic word? And you can raise hands in church. We're not that sort of thing. You can. <laughs> it's like God is coming to find you. Someone's come, somebody's coming to find you. Find you out. And what I find is so fascinating with when Elijah finds Elisha. He finds him plowing with Twelve yoke of oxen. When he finds him, he's, he's working. When he finds him, he's not sleeping. When he finds him, he's not watching TV. When he finds him, he's not playing sport. When he finds him, he's not even praying. When he finds him, he's not studying the Word. When he finds him, he's not worshipping. When he finds him, he's not looking for the prophets. He's working. That's what plowing is. It's work. And he wasn't, you know, sitting on a yellow chair in a green tractor. He's, He's behind the Oxen. Driving them and working. Paul says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with everything you've got. There's always something to do. And it wasn't the season for him. You know, he hadn't been called. He, he, he knew he, the call of God was on his life I, because I, he knew, we see from the next chapters, that, we, that Elisha was expecting Elijah to come and expecting to see him taken in some, some remarkable way. But in the meantime, he's working. You know, you've heard it said, putting your hand to the plow. I wonder whether that's where it comes from. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And Elijah identifies him. There's something about him that identifies him. You know, maybe God spoke to him as that's the man. Or maybe he knew who he was. But as he, when he sees him, he throws his mantle over him as he goes by, signifying that that anointing which was on Elijah was put onto Elisha. And the instant that Elisha receives that, it's like, wow. It's like he has a God moment. Haven't you ever had a God moment? Hello. (laughs) Like the lights come on. Like revelation. And when the lights come on, when you get revelation, when you get it, everything changes. And in an instant, in a moment, Elisha going from being a plowing farmer. Working. It's like he just stops doing that. And Elisha knows exactly what it means. It's like, this is it. It's like, this is it. It's a bit like your salvation experience. And you say yes to Jesus and you confess with your heart what you believe in your, you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. And in that instant you're saved. Not a while well, I'll think about it. I'll check with this person, I'll check with that person. In an instant, he knows exactly what this means. It's like this is it. And when it when he gets this is it, it's like there's no going back. I'm going to have to say goodbye to the elements of my old life that contain me. I'm never going to be the same again. And sometimes I think as Christians, we don't always grasp that. Maybe we don't grasp it because we're not taught it. Maybe we don't grasp it because we don't want to understand it a revelation of what that what the significance is of us being born again. Have you born again this morning? Hallelujah. You've got a few people in church that are Christians. That's always good. <laughs> That's always good, isn't it? We're born again. And when you get born or got born again, something changed. Something changed. And, and Elisha, in this instant, he gets it. He says, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And Elijah said to him, go back for what have I done for you? It's almost like he's releasing him to go back and just deal with what he has to deal with, but not forgetting what, he has, what has taken place in his life. Because when we get born again, when our spirit gets renewed Something takes place on the inside of us, but sometimes what's going on up here, doesn't change yet, and our our our, our old thinking hasn't yet changed. Elisha is almost like Elijah, saying, "Don't forget. Yeah, you go go and kiss your father. You know, mother. You know, just say goodbye to what you have to need to say goodbye to." Lay down what you need to lay down, but don't forget what I have done for you. Sometimes it's important that we remember what took place on the cross for us. That's why it's so important that we we take communion. Remember the blood that was shed and the body that was given for us the sacrifice that was made and how that has positioned us. So then Elijah, Elisha does something which is very significant but but rarely done when we see a move of God. We encounter something of God because sometimes we can receive something from God, we can get an encounter, and then something else, you know, almost like comes in after that and and, and robs us of it. Elisha does something, he says, So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah. And became his servant. So Elisha does this physical act of taking the yoke of oxen, taking these, I guess it's just two big beasts, slaughters them and bores their flesh using the oxen's equipment. So using everything that. He relied on for his old life and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose, followed Elijah, and became his servant. You see, my new life, your new life, doesn't require the influences of my old life. Because my frame of reference has changed. I was listening to somebody preach just this last week and talking about how easy it is sometimes for people when they get born again, they have an encounter with God, but they, they after a couple of days or a few weeks, they go back to something of their old life. An area of sin maybe that had been dealt with in their salvation experience. And they go back, so easily go back to it. And how do they go back to it? Because we leave doors open. Hello. We leave relationships open. Remember somebody years ago, they got born again. And they were a young couple in intimate relationship. And the moment they got saved, almost like together at the same time they got saved. The moment they got saved, we close the door on the intimate relationship. Because we want to live for Christ. And sometimes we leave doors ajar. We leave a well, what if. Maybe I can't offend don't want to upset. But when you're living your life being compelled by the love of Christ, you can live like Elisha did and says, I'm going to kill the cows. And not only am I going to kill the cows, I'm going to cut up the equipment that helped me and contained me and sustained me, and it's what I live by, and burn that too. Put this here together, and I'm going to feed these people around you, and they're going to see. I'm going to demonstrate what God has done for me. Some people leave so many doors open, you've got people in your world, they don't even know you're a Christian. Haven't got a clue, may not even know you go to church. Actually, somebody comes into church as a visitor, and they meet somebody who they maybe work with, well, they never knew you came to church. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I better change my language on Monday. (laughs) You hear what I'm saying? You know, if we are going to pursue the presence of God and step into what God has for us, we have to close some doors on that which was before us. We don't live life living through the rearview mirror. We live it through the windscreen, moving forward. And so so, he, so he, Elisha does this, and he does it in front of witnesses. And when he does it in front of witnesses, those witnesses might hold you to account. I have people say to me when I maybe say something and respond in a particular way, I say, well, that's a, I'm surprised that coming from you. You're a vicar. <laughs> you ever heard people say that? Well, you go to church. not really Christian. <laughs> Sometimes we have to not be very Christian to be <laughs> to be Christian, if you see what I mean. And so he does it in front of witnesses, and then, having done it in front of witnesses, he makes himself accountable to Elijah. See, some people, they don't want to be accountable. He makes himself accountable to Elijah. He becomes his servant. And it doesn't, but it doesn't stop there because we look, we turn over then into 2 Kings chapter 2, and we see the, the, the calling of Elijah or the transferring of that anointing, and we see the, 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 the leaving on the chariots of Elijah. But Elisha grabs this, and he goes after it, and he goes after it, and it's like he's pursuing it with passion. He's pursuing the call of God. He's pursuing what God has for him. He's pursuing it with passion. He, He wasn't pursuing it with a passion for a position. He wasn't pursuing it in the sense that I'm going to be the next Elijah and some. He was pursuing it with a passion for presence. Because he knew that where the presence of God was, there was power. It's one of the things we love in this house, the presence of God. Because if you haven't got the presence of God, you haven't got any power. You can have a, you can have a lot of stuff going on. You can have a lot of program. And Sometimes you don't, people don't like it if we go off of the program and start singing <laughs> sort of things which some people think, well, that's not very churchy. You get away from a program, but, you know, God wants us to be a people who pursue His presence because when you pursue His presence, you're pursuing His power. Not the power of a man, not the power of Elijah, but the power of the presence of God, which was manifest through Elijah. See, Elisha had watched the man of God and saw something in him that he wanted. Let me just read for a moment from 2 Kings, chapter 2. A little bit of a passage here, but it says, And it came to pass, when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, On no way. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Shut up. Or be silent, the Bible says, the Bible, the, my translation doesn't say. And you can't, you can't run your finger on a page, can you? I forget that sometimes. You have to turn it. <laughs> do you ever do that? See an old photograph? Yeah. Pick up an old photograph in a magazine or something, and, you say, and you're trying to stretch a thing with your fingers? <laughs> is it just me, or is it rest? Yeah. And I do this with a Bible song, I'm trying to, it's like, why is he, why is he stroking his Bible? It's a strokey thing church people do. He says, "Be silent." See, Elisha knew. Elisha was a spiritual man. He knew he had a relationship with God. He was switched on. He knew he knew, he knew what was going on. Just be quiet. I don't want I don't want to hear from you this way. You know, you have you, got an idea, but just be quiet. And Elisha said to him, Elijah said to him, Elisha, "Stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho." And he says, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And it's like Elijah is almost trying to just push, just, just Elijah's trying to get the, are you serious about this? I'm not putting any pressure on you, but you, it's got to be, it's got to be what you want. You've got to have a desire to go further, to go over, to go more and see what, what God has for you. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came, Elijah said to him, do you know the Lord will take away your master from you today? So he answered again, I know, shut up. I'm, I, I, I know the voice of God, I know. You know, he's got something for me. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please. And the Lord said to me, Go to. And, he, uh, and Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men who were of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took the mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided by this way and that, so the two of them crossed over on the dry ground. And so, you know, we see how Elijah is watching, he's, 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 he's just encouraging uh, Elisha, but he's all, all the time saying, I want to know what's in your hearts. And Elijah said, I'm not letting you out of my sight. Elijah said, I'm not letting you out of my sight. God is looking for people who are pursuing the presence of God. Not position, you know, not this or not that. Not idea of this. Not, you know, to be this. And see this happen, see that happen. But pursuing the presence of God. Because they know where the presence of God is, there is power. And he's watching Elijah. He's watching Elijah. as he goes, and they come to the Jordan. And in order for Elijah to go, he's not gone yet because, uh, you know, He's still with him. And he strikes the Jordan River and the water pass. Waters divide. And so it was when they crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, you shall not be it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on the talked that suddenly a chariot of fire <laughs> appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elisha went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it. Phew. He saw it. And of course we know what happens when he, if he saw it, because Elijah said that, and Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my God, the chariots. Of Israel and its horsemen, so he saw him no more. And he took and hold of the clothes from uh, he took hold of the clothes and tore them into two pieces. And he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back to the, stood by the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah and fallen from him and struck the water and the, said, "This is," and she said, "This. Where is? Where is the God of Elijah?" Where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God of Elijah? Or the Lord of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elijah crossed over. Isn't that so powerful? You know, he is watching. Stroking the Bible so much, I've stopped stroking this and it's gone dead. Elisha wasn't going to let him out of his sight. And he's testing him maybe. Elijah, how committed are you? How desperate are you? How desperate are you to see a move of God? How desperate are you to carry on where I have left off? How desperate are you to see the things of God that he's spoken over your life take place? And giving him every opportunity to not follow him. Elisha follows him right if you like to the end, and Elijah says to him, "What could I ask?" Of? Elijah says, "What do you want from me?" And Elijah said, "If if I, I want a double portion, it wasn't to be a double in a sense a double portion. Sometimes you think a double portion. Oh, I want to be Elijah and and twice the what Elijah was. But it's more speaking of the double portion that was given to the firstborn, given the entitlements. And of course, he sees him go. And Elijah has gone. And Elisha's seen him go. And because Elisha saw him leave, saw that separation, and saw him, Elijah go off on chariots to heaven. It's like, he, wow, he's gone. It's down to me now. It's down to me. And so he takes up the mantle that was left behind. That which signified the anointing in the presence of God takes it up. Holds it in his hand, now Elijah's, Elisha's got it. He's, he's holding on, if you like, to what God has, has for him. And that's what we carry as Christians, as believers. The anointing and the presence of God is it's available to us. And so he's able to say, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And Elisha is recognized. He recognizes that the power of this prophetic ministry did not rest on the the mantles or the fiery chariots. It rested in the presence and the work of the living God. It wasn't about the chariots, it wasn't about, if you like, Elijah the man. It wasn't about, if you like, this mantle, but it was the presence of God, and he's calling on the presence of God. And when he calls on the presence of God, there's power. There's power in the presence of God. That's why we love the presence of God in the house. In the presence of God, where his presence is manifest and where his presence is welcomed, there are miracles. There are breakthroughs. So if the Lord God of Elijah was also with Elijah, then he would inherit these same power and this direction of ministry that Elijah Elijah had. He says, where is the God of Elijah who mightily answered Elijah's prayers? Where's the God of Elijah who provided miraculously for him? Where's the God who raised the dead through Elijah? Where's the God who answers prayers by sending fire from heaven? Where's the God who, when he calls on the name of the Lord to bring rain, where is that God? He was right there because Elisha recognized the presence of God and what that meant. And he was able to see that take place. Why? Because he pursued it. He didn't have to pursue it. He could have still been there plowing his fields. He could have said, well, it's not the right time. It's not the right day. He could have taken a look when he went back to His ox and his equipment. Okay, I'll I'll pursue this call with that Elijah's put this mantle on me. But I'll just keep those oxen and I'll keep that plowing equipment because maybe I'll need it someday. Now he, he walked away from influences of his old life and closed the doors. And in closing the doors, he was able to follow unconditionally. Follow sacrificially after the, what was in his heart because God had put it in his heart. And Elijah recognized that, saw him, found him, found him, just getting on with life and doing what his hand had found to, find, found to do. But God had a greater call. See, God has a greater call for each and every one of us, I believe. It doesn't come just through sitting around and accepting things the way they are. But is passionately pursuing the presence of Jesus. We are new creations in Christ. We are anointed. When you got saved, it was like the encounter, if you like, that Elisha had when Elijah threw that mantle on him. Something changed in you. He was no longer ever going to be the same. That, I believe, is positionally what changes in us. The day we get born again, we are never the same again. you know, we put a t-shirt on when we get baptized, I have decided. It's like Elisha put the t-shirt on Said, I've decided. There's no turning back. Yes, I've been civil to my old life and thank God for that that which it did for me. It's not going to contain me. It's not going to hold me. It's not going to restrict me. I'm not going to fall back into that Those mistakes I made. I'm not going to fall back into that sin. I'm going to set my eyes like Flint. I believe that's what Elisha did at that time. He was passionately pursuing what God had for him. I encourage you, church, to be a people who passionately pursue what God did the day. If you like, that mantle fell on you. Because God wants you, to rec- wants you to be able to call on the ne- God of Elijah. It's not about Elijah, but it's about the, his God and his presence. And jo- Elisha recognized that it's where his presence was. that There was power. Do you believe there's power in the name of Jesus? There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in his presence. So if you've got something going on in your life where you need to get from one place to another place, pursue the presence of God. Pursue His presence. You know, turn away, turn away from the influences. Shut doors on distractions that would pull you back. So that's what the children of Israel suffered from when they were walking, going through the wilderness. They couldn't get beyond... What it was like in Egypt. The Bible says they came out of Egypt, but in their hearts they went back. Went back into something which God delivered them from. Isn't that sad? When as believers, our mind goes back and we start living in something which we've been delivered from. Something which has been forgotten. The Bible says that when when we we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when God cleanses us from our sin, He takes it as far as Jesus from the West. It's, it's, It's to be remembered no more. And yet we so often still allow things to be in our life which cause us to remember things. And people get defined. And labeled by things that have been forgiven, that were dealt with at the cross. God wants us to be a people who pursue, pursue, to recognize today is a new day. Pursue what He has for you. Pursue what He has for you. Maybe you're watching this morning and you know God's speaking to you. To pursue His presence. Maybe just type in and say, Let, that, that's me. Well, I'll pray for you. If God wants you to go further, pursue his presence. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, well, I'm not even a Christian. I can't put my hand on my heart and say I'm born again of the Spirit of God. I can't say that I can pursue His presence like Elisha did because I haven't had that experience of God doing a miraculous work in my life. What are you asking this morning to come into your life? Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and challenging you this morning. You feel something in your life is causing you to want to change and say yes to Jesus this morning. Let's just pray a prayer, can we? Because I don't want to give, leave this opportunity. If God is speaking to you. Maybe you're here this morning and say, I've, I'm allowing some of those old things in my life to retain me and contain me. I haven't totally said goodbye to my past. I'm talking about the influence of your past. In a sense, your physical past, but the influences that your past have on your life. Some people live for years and years and years with shame and guilt. Some was just dealt with on the cross of Jesus Christ. Some people live with condemnation. Paul the says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And yet we never truly step away from it. Close the doors on it. Maybe that's you this morning. The Holy Spirit is saying to you, step away from that. You know, close the door on something. Burn something which contains which, which contain, is containing you. Father, we pray this morning. If you need to just speak to God for a few moments about something, just do that in the quietness of these moments. Maybe you haven't been pursuing His presence. Take these moments. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning. Maybe you need to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. Say, Heavenly Father, let's just say this right now because I believe there may be somebody who, who is saying right now, I want to say yes to Jesus. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the precious name of Jesus. I recognize that right now I need to say yes to you and ask you to forgive me of my past, to come into my life and make me a brand new person. I confess with my mouth what I believe in my heart, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen.